Good morning, and welcome to Garden Talk on 650 CKOM and 980 CJME. I'm Jay Thomas. Glad to be back in the chair with you here this morning. We've got, uh, of course, the whole gang here today, but they are on the phones. They're out of town, so it's just me in the studio. We've got Rick on the line and Jill on the line as well to join us. Hi, guys. How are you? Good morning. <laughs> right on. Uh, so, uh, Rick, where are you this morning? I'm in Swift Current. Just did a road trip. Went to Swift Current to Lethbridge to Medicine Hat in three, four days. So, following my grandson playing in the WHL. Uh, oh, so, uh, very cool. So he had he's out in Wenatchee, Washington now, and so uh, he was just in close proximity where I could go watch him. So I figured, well, let's go on a road trip. Right on, Jill. Where are you? I'm just down in Regina and coming from Saskatoon, driving into Regina. We went from. No snow to to snow in Regina, and uh, um, last night uh, just visiting with friends and went through a walk through Wascana Park. But one thing I really noticed about Regina is they have a lot more cedars and evergreens and and uh, just those types of trees here in Regina than we have planted in Saskatoon. So um, yeah, it's just just it's just different. It's we're two hours away, and just different the way the city are um, different ages, and they have different different trees planted throughout. Totally. Yeah. Mm-hmm. You know, we're going to talk about that here shortly in a little bit about what to do with your cedars because I think we're kind of expecting oh, yeah. a bit of a warm we- a warm weather this week, this weekend, and then, you know, possibly this year for our, our, uh, our winter season. So we'll get to that in a little bit. But uh, it's incredible the difference, though, just, yeah, if you've been driving throughout the province, like you said, uh, in the Saskatoon area, like we had warm weather yesterday. There is zero snow now. There's nothing. It's just mm-hmm. totally brown. But you go to the Regina area and still quite a bit of snow added up there. They had quite a bit last week, right? Yeah, and they even got uh, another dump of snow like just a couple nights ago too. So yeah, there's definitely snow and, and a lot of ice on the roads. It's pretty slippery on the mm. sidewalks especially. Oh. Uh, and it's and the surf curd is totally brown. Really? So, yeah. There you go. So it kind of it's it's sort of everything across the province. Yeah. Uh, 1-877-332-8255. Two great ways to join the conversation. You can call us or you can text us as well. So uh, head head to the phones, head to your text machine, and uh, and join the conversation. We've got an hour for you here today. So you know, what? let's let's start with that. We've got a whole bunch of topics we wanted to cover this this morning. Uh, one of them was we've got warm weather coming up. Uh, that means a couple of things, but also. There's possibly Rick the for the forecast is talking about a maybe kind of a warm winter, right? Yeah, so it's sort of all over the place because uh, they're talking about us being. Sometimes they say it's colder, but a lot of times they say it's going to be a quite a bit warmer, and uh, so that means that we might just get if if, if it's going to be an average, we might get more Chinooks, so which we might be a, a quick warm up, just like we are this week, mm-hmm. you know, and then cold cold again, so. If that's the case, those Chinooks will take evergreens like junipers and cedars and they could desiccate them. Like what happens is that the needles start transpiring on them, and especially if they're up against a white wall or a white house or something like that, where the reflection and then it warms up even more than, than the surrounding air uh, in, in, in our communities. And so then what happens then is that it desiccates the needles and then the roots are frozen that can't get more moisture. So, um, so what you can do right now is if, if you, um, if the ground is still not frozen, uh, you can actually take a couple of pails of water out there and just give them some water because they'll still suck up water right now. Uh, even though that the, you know, with the ground not being frozen, the plants will still suck up water because, you know, we're, they're talking about what, uh, I think plus seven plus yeah. around there. And so, um, you know, you could, if, if you, you want to probe that soil with that piece of rebar, like we talk about all the time, 
if it's moist, then just leave it. If it's if it's dry, then yeah, take a few five gallon pails of water out there and give them some water. And uh, or otherwise, you can also put the the burlap around them if you're not sure if you want to, especially if it's up against a white house or a white fence. And just make sure you start. We're going to wrap it right around the plant itself. Start six inches off the ground so that snow can protect the roots, and then just cover up uh, at least at least four to six feet high. Uh, then you stop the reflection off of the uh, off the snow, especially, and then that'll help protect the plant quite a bit. Yeah, I like. Well, now, sorry, Joe, go ahead. Say. Yeah, go ahead. <laughs> there, there is another product that you can um, spray on your on your cedars right now in evergreen um, that will help seal in the needles and the and the leaves as well. And it's called wilt proof, and uh, you have to spray it when the temperatures are above zero. So this would be a perfect weekend if you want to apply that. And it's, it's basically just mix it up into a sprayer, spray it on, and almost put the coating on on the leaves so that they can't uh, can't perspire, and uh, it sort of seals everything in so that they they last a little bit longer through the winter. Great that's idea. Point, yeah, that, that that's a good point, Joe. Because then, if you don't want to look at these the burlap plants all winter long, then if you uh, do that protection with the wiltproof, then it just gives them a, that protection, but yet still looks like a a cedar tree in front of your house. Yeah, and then you can save some of that wilt proof as well, too. And if you do any live greens or garlands or uh, even a wreath on your door, spray that on that wreath, and it will let it, it last for a lot longer as well, too. Let's that, go even, your, even your Christmas tree, you can even spray a Christmas tree with it. Yes, exactly. No doubt, no doubt. Let's go to the phone lines, one 332 8255 Sorry, the text machine, that's where I'm going to. Gene uh, in North Battleford was the early bird this morning. Can you please tell me the best way to winter a geranium, Jill? What do you think? Uh, to winter a geranium, uh, you want to bring it, well, you have brought it indoors, of course, and you can just treat it like a regular house plant if you want to. Um, I would suggest uh, enjoy those blooms right now, but once the blooms uh, uh, sort of die back, cut the plant down to about um, about a third or a half, cut about that much off of it, just trim it right down. This is going to be more your mother plant. And then you can just treat it like a house plant in a bright, sunny window, decrease your watering. That's one way you can do it. The other way you can do it is you can put it into cold storage. So you can take it down into a into a basement or a, a garage that's just above above maybe about three to five degrees, and it's going to drop a lot of its needles. Again, you want to prune it back, and then in January decrease your watering on it. Um, water it every so often. Don't make it go bone dry. But then in uh, January, end of January, February, you're going to bring it back out into the sunlight and let it grow again do some pruning, and then you're going to take cuttings off of that, and then you will plant those cuttings, and that's going to be your new plant for the next year. Okay, all right. There you go, uh, Gene. So hopefully that helps you out. I have uh, I know when I was growing up, my mom did that all the time. That geranium came in, went out, all, like, it, for years. So, mm-hmm. uh, yeah, it, it works. We had uh, a kind of a room in our basement that was, the basement was finished, but there was one room that wasn't and had a small window, 70s house, and, you know, kind of not a well-insulated window, put it that way. So it was cool by the window and didn't get a whole lot of light because it's a tiny little window. So just enough that it kind of kept it going alive a little bit but not really you know and, yeah. and that seemed to work so yeah that's perfect you see a lot of geraniums in the basement windows in the in the winter time i know my grandma used to do that a lot too but one thing to remember jay is that um the leaves will naturally fall off the plant because they're getting less sunlight in indoors in the winter time and that's normal for a geranium so don't freak out don't like overwater it or underwater it because those leaves are just stick your finger into the soil. You want the soil to be quite dry between waterings, like quite dry between waterings in the winter. Right. So 
um, you are going to lose some leaves, and that's normal. So that's just that's just due to lack of light. Gotcha. Okay. Uh, we've got uh, a couple great text guys that have come in this morning uh, that uh, really uh, are perfect timing, you could say, uh, because one uh, texter, Gail in Regina, says, I've got tons of cedar needles. We were just talking about wrapping up your cedars or using wilt proof uh, before the break to keep that moisture in the needles. But Gail says, I've got tons of cedar needles at the bottom of the tree. Should I leave them for the soil protection or rake them up? What do you think? Um, you could do either one. I mean, a lot of people will clean them up just because they just don't want that look. They want, you know, either a clean look underneath or, or, you know, they have some mulch and they just want to clean it up some. So you could either or. It doesn't really matter. You could clean them up or just leave them because um, it will actually act as mulch. Uh, but also you got to worry about also if there's, if, uh, if you, your tree, if your cedar tree had a little bit of fungal in it, uh, then, then that you'd want to clean them up and be able to get that out of there because then the fungal just stays there and goes back up in the tree the next year again. So, um, if, if it's, if it's just, just turned brown, but if it's sort of a reddish brown, then it could be a fungal. So, um, then, then you'd want to get rid of it. But they just turned brown and fell off. That's just a, a natural way that sometimes they do, or it might have been through the drought that they just got a little bit too dry during the summertime and they lost some of their needles, especially on the inside. Or it could even be that you had an infestation of a spider mite on the inside as well. So, um, so like I said, there's, it's, if they're, more of a reddish brown, and I would suggest get rid of them. If they're just if they just turned brown and fell off, then it, you could either or leave them or or or, or dispose of them. Right. Okay. Does do needles piled up like on the ground around a tree provide a home for little critters like mice and stuff? Does that ever uh, happen? Well, it can more more. I mean, they also provide you know beneficial insects. They provide cover for them as well. So uh, to be able to protect them as well, like, I think ladybugs hide in the mulch and those kind of things as well. So, uh, but uh, mice don't usually go in in something like um, like the, the that type of a mulch because it's they like something was a little more fluffy. So they'll go into a you know a bark mulch or they like being underneath a big pile of leaves is what they like the most. Uh, but uh, those pine needles and, and cedar needles, they say pretty flat, so it's not really that great okay. of a place for them. I just wanted to make sure that wasn't going to, you know, if, if you leave yep. it there, it's not going to create that problem as well. So, oh, if there's years and years of it, it could it could cause a problem. Right. Okay. One eight seven seven three three two eight two five five. Less sent us a text. Uh, who's in Corning? When do you get your Christmas trees in? When are they going to go for sale? And is there going to be a shortage this year? So, what's the answer, guys? Well, I guess remember, stay with like a few days ago. So I guess we can talk about Christmas trees now. <laughs> so, <laughs> <laughs> so Christmas trees are actually coming in in Saskatoon tomorrow. So uh, we started unloading them tomorrow, and um, uh, yeah, it's early, but there's a lot of people that go away for Christmas or they have parties and that kind of stuff. So every year it seems like people want Christmas trees earlier. So it's just a matter of and 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 it might be a one thing about it is that isn't. It doesn't make a difference when you purchase your Christmas trees. It makes a difference when you stand them up. Right. Because uh, uh, if you can purchase your trees, it'd be no different than them sitting in the Christmas tree stands, but just put them in a shady location if you're not going to put them up right away. And out of the sun, and even if you... Uh, even if it's if it's warm outside, stick them in a bucket of water or something like that. Or you're going to put them in your garage in the shade, you know, uh, as long as you're, you know, you're not a heated, really heated garage. Uh, stick them in a bucket, a five-gallon bucket of water. Okay, so before we get yeah. to the, the rest of the care for these Christmas trees, yeah. the other part of his text is, when are they going for sale? Are they going to be up for sale right away when they arrive at the garden center, Rick? Yep, as soon as they come off the truck. Okay, so. and, and are we going to expect a shortage this year? Because we we did see that more recently, right? 
Yeah, like I tried to buy more trees for this year because I did run out last year and I could not. They would not leave some. In fact, they said that they, the uh, because we're we're a larger purchaser and we're part of a group of, of garden centers across Canada, uh, we got guaranteed what we ordered the previous year, but we couldn't add to our order. And they said they actually cut off a lot of people that didn't buy full truckloads full. Like if you bought bought the the tree lots only bought a part truckload, they actually a lot of them they cut off because they just didn't have enough trees. And uh, this year it's kind of weird. Like last year we didn't have uh, Fraser firs, we had more balsam firs. This year it's the opposite. There's more Frasers than there is balsams. So there's there is a shortage and it keeps bumping back and forth, and it has to do with the pandemic we had. Uh, and because more people bought trees, and also there was uh, quite a few years ago there was a crop failure too. So uh, the two things sort of came together, intersected, and, and caused a shortage right now. And it's going to take a, probably another three or four years for that to work itself out because you just can't grow a tree overnight. So especially a especially a Christmas tree. So there, and, yeah. go ahead, Jill. You know, what, one thing to sort of keep in mind is when, like, especially when I'm stacking the tree lot, I was looking back at like kind of history of when the trees are sold out for the season. And typically by about the 5th of, of December, we are completely sold out of Christmas trees. Wow. So like that that first week of December is is kind of when it's Christmas tree season is, as far as purchasing them, is done at that point in time. So if you're going to pick up a Christmas tree, I would do what Rick said, like pick it up early, um, store it in a shady area, in a bucket of water, um, and then put it up maybe like end of November, first week of December is usually traditionally, but when people do it. But if you wait until that first week of December, you're going to have some picking for a tree. Right. Yeah. You're not, not going to get your hands on one, basically. That's the, that's the tough no. part. So, so to answer Les's text, is there a shortage? Well, possibly in some ways, right? Not at your garden center specifically, but we could see some of those smaller tree lots that pop up in, you know, in the, in the, random parking lots at malls and stuff like that that those may not be there this year if they couldn't get their hands on what they from their supplier right so yeah because because last 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 march is when we ordered them basically wow okay and uh and so they a lot of garden centers were in a chat all together they were all asking say hey, we were cut off this tree or this tree we can't get this tree this tree anybody know where i can get them that was happening a lot this year so, so um so yeah that, that's you know so yeah suggest so get your tree earlier put it in a place where it's shady and you're good to go. Difference between balsam and Fraser fir. What's that? Uh, balsam firs, Fraser firs. Um, balsams probably have a little bit more fragrance. Uh, Fraser firs tend to last longer. Okay. And so, especially if you're putting them up longer, a longer time. Uh, and also, Fraser firs have that blue tinge on the bottom side of their needles, and so they kind of shimmer a bit more nicer too. They're both nice trees. They both last just about as long, but Fraser's are just a little bit better for lasting. That's why at, in Saskatoon we've gone just to Fraser's and Balsam's because uh, our customers we've been selling them for yeah, forever, and that's the ones we find that we get the less returns on and less issues where people are calling us saying they've got problems. Right. Okay. So we got about uh, three minutes here, Rick. Why don't we go before the break? Let's uh, let's cover off what to do with this tree. We talked about keeping it in water until you're going to set it up. What are you going to do with it when you're ready to set it up? Okay, when we're ready to set it up, give it give it some good bounces uh, outside first to get all the extra little needles that might you know be dried out over the years inside you know, and so you don't have to have them. And then you want to make at least a two inch fresh cut on the bottom before you put it into your tree stand. That's 
so important, Jay. Yeah. I can't can't say that even more. The tree won't suck up. It's just like making a fresh cut on a, on a cut flower. And then you want to, if you especially putting it up early, you stay fresh. It's a Christmas tree preservative. You'll see it in different pouches, and that is basically the same stuff that you get in that little pouch when you buy cut flowers that you put into your water. Mm-hmm. It helps keeps the pores open way longer. And it's so important. And but number one, Jay, is have the proper tree stand. Uh, have a tree stand that's going to hold the tree up uh, with that pin in the bottom, so that the tree doesn't fall over. First of all, yeah. But but the, a tree stand that holds lots of water. Even if that tree stand dries out once, uh, it, the pores can can seal up again, and the tree won't suck water up. Uh, if that does happen by by mistake or whatever then i've i've taken a, a drill and a half inch drill and i've drilled some holes into the side just underneath the water surface mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. then that opens up some pores so it can re-suck it up again um uh, so it's important that uh make that fresh cut um put the put the water in keep the water full especially the first the first 7 days yeah if you can keep water in the first 7 days it'll rehydrate the tree and the tree will last longer and make sure not underneath the uh, ceiling fan or not beside a heat register and if you can if you can keep it away from the south window, that's even better. Right. Yeah, you got to kind of do everything you can with light, with heat, with uh, air movement, with the water yeah. to keep it as as, uh, as hydrated as it can be for as long as it can be because that's the, the key. If, as long as it keeps sucking up water, the needles will stay on the tree. As soon as it stops, you don't have a whole lot of time left until yeah. you know it starts to drop its needles and, and look kind of terrible. So, Especially some people keep them up to Ukrainian Christmas, right? Yeah, is, no doubt. You know, the, so that's a long time. Exactly. Jill, I saw a post on Facebook uh, just this week that uh, a lot of special stuff has already arrived in the Garden Center. Is that correct? Yeah, it's for sure. We have seen the poinsettias are here. Um, we actually had a bunch of uh, cypress trees that are decorated up like Grinches. The Christmas cactuses have arrived. and Actually, those arrived a few weeks ago, and they, we've been having trouble keeping those in stock. They just People love their Christmas cactuses. Yep. And so many different colors you can get right now. Um, and a little trick with the Christmas cactus is maybe you have an old one that hasn't bloomed as much anymore. Put it into like a cool area and then bring it back out into the sunlight and stress it a little bit. And that sometimes will help force it to rebloom again. So there's a little trick for you. So how long, um, do, you, how long do they put it in a cool area? Like only a day or two. Not very long at all. So just something to sort of reset its cycle um, and then bring it back out, put it into put it into the, the sunny area again, and that sometimes is just enough to, to sort of reset it. You can also change your watering habits, allow it to dry out maybe a little bit more than you usually would, and then start reg- watering it more regularly. And when a Christmas cactus is in bloom, um, you want to be watering it a little bit more than when it's not. You, remember, it's still a cactus, so you're sticking your fingers out soil, making sure it's dry to the touch, but uh, you, um, you can water it a little bit more when it's blooming. Perfect. Okay. So basically, if you're looking to do uh, a poinsettia, all the typical Christmas plants are pretty much in stock at garden centers now. And, and the, the, the live greens, like that's what my mom and my, my wife are all excited about is they're doing arrangements. Those things are in too, right? Yeah, the live greens are all in. We're starting to make up some arrangements. We, we're outside uh, doing installs and all like the restaurants and hotels last week already. So um, you can pick up like cedar, juniper, um, balsam, noble fir, um, some pine. It's just nice to get that sort of fresh fragrance on your doorstep. 
And I mean, I just took out my pumpkins and my um, my fall moms off my front doorstep. And my pots look empty right now. And <laughs> I'm looking at the front of my house and I'm like, oh, geez, it just feels cold. And I can't wait to just sort of put those fresh greens in the front of my house and for it just to sort of warm up and just be so much more inviting when people come to the house or even when I drive in my driveway every day, just to sort of see your house kind of just that that fresh look and then you walk up to the front door and you smell that fresh cedar. It's just, it's just a great way to come home. Yeah, totally. And then, and then this, this, this week's going to be warm. So you're actually, your pots will, will actually get some warmth. You actually stick your, your boughs and cedar boughs into your existing soil that you had from last year in the flower pots. And so it makes it perfect weather for doing that kind of stuff as well. Yeah, it does. Then, it does. And then also, if you're facing south, use some of that foley guard and uh, or will proof to make sure that you you know it protects it from the sun drying them out. You know, and it can last you all winter. Right. We talked about that with the cedars, but you can use it for those. You know, yeah, the the wreath you put on your door, the yep. arrangement you got in the pot, you can use it for all that too, and it, and it'll keep much longer. That's pretty cool. Now, one thing that I will um, point out is a lot of times we have ceramic pots on our front step, and if you don't have an insert in that pot, um, and maybe you have the soil right in there, make sure you take some of that soil out, and maybe put some florist foam on the top, because if you just leave that soil right full to the top and then add water, um, and then the water freezes, that pot is going to expand, that soil is going to expand and break your pot. Oh, so yeah. So make sure you take some of that soil out so that when you do water your greens and water them until they freeze, um, that soil can expand because that's just a really important step. Uh, otherwise, you're going to have some cracks in your pot. Right. Yeah. I've got a, a pot that we use for, for that sort of thing. It's got a bunch of sand in it that we use to, you know, stick everything into and then, and then water it in. But it's a plastic pot, so it doesn't tip typically crack, but yeah, a yeah, ceramic one would. Yeah, it some flex to it. Exactly. Yeah, sure. It's just the ceramic ones that you have to be a little bit more careful with, or a, like that fiber clay, it's a little bit of a, a lightweight, uh, almost like a lightweight ceramic, uh, it's, and you have to be very, very careful with right. those ones. Let's go to the text line, one eight seven seven three three two eight two five five. I think this one's for you, Rick. Uh, it says, uh, good morning, I've got a smaller backyard, and I'm looking to add privacy on my side of a shared fence. I'd like something that would give privacy year-round. Two ornamental crab trees right now, but obviously in the fall and winter, there's no privacy. Looking for low-maintenance options. What do you think? Well, probably the best would be your upright cedars because uh, they're going to give you green all year round and they'll probably grow the quickest for you. Um, so that would probably be the fastest. You're using something like a skybound cedar, uh, get about six feet wide, or use a homestrup cedar, and they grow about four feet wide. And both of them get about 16 to 20 feet tall. And so uh, they'll give you that privacy. I mean, there's other plants you can use too, like, uh, like a, a pyramidal blue spruce. But you're talking about, you know, quite a few more years, you know, to, to get it to the height you want because they don't grow as, they only grow about 12 inches a year. And so, but those work good if you have the spot. Um, they're beautiful trees. Uh, otherwise, there's also some upright pine trees as well uh, that grow a little bit faster. Uh, but uh, like I said, if you want something that grows quick, that, that's narrow, that fills some spots and gives you privacy, probably your upright cedars are your best choice. Okay. All right. There you go. Uh, let's go to our next text, which has come in here. Uh, we want to talk a little bit with, oh, oh yeah, this is Judy in Rose Valley. Uh, she says, morning, what should I use to get aphids off of the soil in my plants, Jill? Well, that's a that's actually an interesting question, and a question we get a lot of the time. People will say, "I have aphids in the soil," and aphids actually are more on the new growth of your plant. The bud believes the new growth of your plant. If you have a bug that looks like an aphid in the soil, most likely what you have is a fungus gnat. 
And uh, they, they actually look quite similar. And so um, aphids can be black um, uh, as well. So what you want to do is there's a couple things, Jay, and, and you've tried this a lot at home. So one of them is you can do the nematodes, and that works great. It's like a once-and-done thing. Um, you get the nematode ball, you um, sort of sprinkle it onto the soil, and the nematodes go do their job. Yep. Um, they'll, eat, they'll eat up all of the larvae um, in the soil and those types of things. The other thing you can do is you can get some sticky sticks, and the sticky sticks are like these yellow flags that you can um, put into the soil, and the, those will capture the adult ones that are flying around. So that works really well, too. Um, the other thing that you can do is you can, we've talked about this before on the show, too, is take an apple or a potato, cut it up into slices, put it on the surface of the soil, and that's going to draw that larva up to the surface of the soil. So I usually would do that at night. And then in the morning, first thing, remove that top inch or half inch of soil, and then that will kind of remove any of that larva that's in there. Do that in combination a few times with those sticky sticks, and that will help you out as well, too. Right. Perfect. Yeah. And, and those are all great options. I've tried the nematodes, and it's been the easiest thing. You basically mix it up together, pour it on the soil, keep it moist. You know, you can't, can't let it dry out while the nematodes are doing their work, and they take care of all of it. A couple of sticky sticks went in there, and it takes care of the adults, and pretty much the, the, the problem is gone without a whole lot of work. So that's uh, it's a yeah. pretty good recommendation. Yeah, and the other thing, too, if you do have aphids, like that might be a possibility. Maybe a couple of the aphids have fallen onto the soil. You can grab a product called Endol. That's the best one I like to use. Right. It's got oil in it as well. And I would spray the plant till dripping. And make sure you spray from the bottom side and also to the top side. Um, put a little uh, blanket or something underneath to protect it, protect your furniture. And then um, repeat that every 10 days. And then with that as well, if you want to remove the top, like, um, half inch of soil, you can do that too, just in case any of them have fallen onto the soil, but that's how you combat those aphids indoors. Right. And there could be a, ch- a chance that somebody brought a plant in from outside and aphids came with it. I know that's, you know, that's tricky sometimes. You have to get, get on top of those with that end all. Uh, this next one is from, uh, Melfort. And, uh, basically the texture says, good morning. I purchased a couple of new amaryllis bulbs from Dutch growers. I already have some red bulbs that I've got planted to bloom for Christmas. I want to save these ones to plant after Christmas. So I blooms until March. Is that possible? If so, if there's a special way to do that, what do I do? Absolutely, you could do that. I would suggest uh, putting them into a paper bag um, and then storing them in cold storage. And uh, you want to make sure that the bulbs are not touching each other. So I'd maybe put them each into their own individual bag would be best. And then make sure they're away from any apples or oranges. Put them into cold storage. They're going to take about four weeks from the time you uh, take them out of that bag, plant them up, and they bloom. So just time that out um, of when you take it out of cold storage at that point in time. Okay, there you go. So we can we can do it, no problem. And uh, you'll have those beautiful amaryllis blooms going all the way till March, which is great. Uh, we're going to go to Ernie's text, who's from Saskatoon. I've got a lemon tree that isn't doing so good. I want to trim it back a little. Can I use cuttings to start a new tree? Yeah, you absolutely can. Um, cuttings, you'd want to take off your new growth. So that's any of the, the wood on the, the, um, the stems that do not have that hard wood around the edges. You want to count about two or three nodes down. It's best to choose a branch that does not have buds or flowers on it. And then cut right below a node. Take those bottom leaves off. Stick it in some rooting hormone. Plant it in some soil. Keep the soil moist. Or you can stick it in a vase with water and change that water frequently. And that will definitely, you'll get some roots on it. Once you get roots, you can plant it back in the soil. 
Perfect. All right. Well, this is probably best to use something like a Jiffy 7. It's a little peat pellet or a cocoa fiber pellet. That's probably the best thing to stick it into. All right. Exactly. Good. one 332 8255 Gene says, good morning. Truly enjoy your program. I've covered Zone 3 shrub roses with leaves in a cardboard box with the flaps out. I know some of the initial leaves were a little bit more wet uh, with their more drive leaves piled on top. Is it too early to have covered them with the leaves or should I open them up until it gets colder. Thank you for your assistance. No, it'll be it'll be fine now. It, it'll be dormant enough that we, their nighttime temperatures are getting cool enough that they'll be fine. I mean, we might have a week here of warm warmer weather, but then uh, I think we're guaranteed we're going to get some colder weather pretty quick. <laughs> it's probably going to happen. That's right. Yeah. <laughs> There's been lots of posts. I don't know if you guys have seen on Facebook this week. Lots of posts, people posting memories from 2020. And it was this weekend, November 9th, I think it was, 2020. We got just a pile of snow in Saskatoon. Uh, and it's like you look outside now and... There's not an ounce. I know Regina, a little yep. different, but uh, yeah, crazy how different it can be. Uh, let's go to our next text. Uh, this is Lori, who's near Pike Lake. Is it too late to plant garlic? No, if you can get it into the ground, you can plant it. So um, you can dig into the, the ground, um, plant it up, and it, it will be good for next spring. For sure, you can plant it now. Okay, there we go. Especially even tulips and that kind of stuff. If you haven't got them in the ground, plant them in the ground, put them in the depth they're supposed to be, and then throw some leaves or mulch over them. That'll just give them a little bit longer time. Water them in still. Give them a little bit longer time with the mulch just to get more rooted in for next spring. That's perfect. That was Randy's text, too, was, is it too late to plant tulip bulbs? So the answer is no. That's, Absolutely. That's, that's great. Uh, we've got another gene. It's the, the day of genes here today. Gene in North Battleford. With the warm weather, is it a good idea to cut the grass to help out with snow mold? Because if you're in some parts of the province right now, we've got totally bare lawns. Yeah, no. If if you still if you have if your lawn's really long and it's going to lay down flat, then it's best to mow them. I saw somebody yesterday that were actually just cleaning up leaves in their yard still. So yep. I mean, you want to do that too to protect snow mold. If, if the, some leaves fell down late here or they blew in from the neighbor's yard, yeah, get out there and mow them up, bag them up, and uh, save that mulch for covering up plants or whatever. And if you're not sure, put them in the bags. And then you can always put them in the compost in the spring, or if we get Chinooks, you can always use that to protect some plants this winter. Mary said, this this, warm, "Oh, sorry, go ahead, with Jill." This, with this warm weather, you can always spray that copper Bordeaux on it on your lawn this, as you have um, snow mold problems too, and that will help prevent it your spring. Copper well. Bordeaux, perfect, perfect. Uh, Mary sent us the text. I've got a calla lily. I uh, bought this summer. The tall green leaves are dying one at a time. Is it because we've had very little sun lately? I use a, a watering meter, so it, it shouldn't be overwatered, is what she said. Um, if it's a calla lily and the leaves are starting to die, it's probably going dormant. Um, so they have a life cycle where they grow, they bloom, and then they kind of die back down to the bulb. They need to go through a, a rest period, right. and then they'll start back up again. So that's probably just what it's doing. It's finished its cycle. It's going dying back down to the bulb. Reduce your watering. Store your bulb for the winter time, and then bring it back up in February and start growing it again. It's not one of those plants that we can grow like a house plant that just stays green and lives all the time, right? No, it needs a cycle to go dormant. Right. There are some plants, you know, uh, that, that can do that, but uh, Cowley isn't one of them. Uh, Ray in Saskatoon, I live 10 minutes west of Saskatoon. Over the last 25 years, I bought over 20 apple tree com- trees, summer combos or summer crabs. Uh, they all die by the second fall. So I leave the wild sprouts. Uh, we now have apple trees growing from 3 to 10 feet. Some produce small apples. Uh, is there anybody who would graft 
an eating apple onto those trees for him? Um, this you could maybe try by you know um, go, go on to uh, you know Facebook or something like that. You might be able to find him, but there's not that many people that do that. There, there are probably some hobbyists that will do that. And after you got that tree that that's that grew from the bottom, you absolutely that's a good hardy rootstock. You could definitely graft onto that, or you could oh you know what? There's lots of YouTube videos up that just show you how to do it. It's not that hard. It's pretty simple, and uh, but if you have a visual look of a YouTube video, then it makes it a lot easier, and you can do it yourself. You want to you want to pick your your wood uh, basically in in basically in March, end of February and March, and then you want to attach it to the plant basically in in the spring. And uh, so you can you can prepare this winter, do some research, and you can do it yourself because there is not that many people that go out and do that. Last text of the day, Jeanette from Regina. Why are my diplodinia leaves turning yellow and falling off? There are no bugs. Thanks in advance. Yeah, that's pretty normal. You brought it indoors. The sunlight is different. You'll probably see about a half to a third of your leaves fall off. Um, just keep watering it regularly. Um, you can also let it go dormant. The leaves will fall off. Treat it just like you would that geranium that we talked about earlier and uh, and then sort of bring it out of dormancy in, in January. Otherwise, bright sunny window, add a grow light to it if you don't want to see that leaf drop and, in, and consistent watering is key. Perfect. The last thing we want to say uh, today is we've got uh, warm weather coming up. We've got less than a minute to talk here, Rick, but uh, it's a good idea to prune fruit trees right now, right? We can do that. Oh, yeah. Great time with this good weather. You can do your fruit, prune your fruit trees. That way you'll get more fruit production next year. And so you got some of those branches that were bugging you or uh, you need to thin it out a bit because a lot of crossing branches. Just take care of those. And uh, we'll actually get in the next couple of weeks, we'll get into more detail on how to prune them as well. Perfect. Well, that pretty much does it for today. So don't forget, prune those trees. We can do that right now. Uh, Christmas trees coming in in Dutch Growers as soon as tomorrow. The live greens, all that other stuff that you want for Christmas is in stock now. So that's really good. We're going to see it in a bunch of uh, different uh, garden centers around the province, not just Dutch Growers, of course. So great stuff, guys. Uh, We're pretty much out of time. So we'll be live in the studio next week. Same time, same place, right? Have a great week, everybody. See you then. All right. Thanks for joining us. I'm Jay, and with Jill and Rick, you've been listening to Garden Talk on 650 CKOM and 980 CJME.